And now for something purposely positive. Welcome to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. Confession time. How many of you have watched that TV show, Hoarders? Well, if you're like me, you watch it just so you can say, Hey, my house, it doesn't look so bad. But really, clutter in any part of our life can sometimes get in the way of reaching our full potential. On today's podcast, we're going to discuss decluttering your life. And to help me with this topic, I want to welcome my amazing friend, Martina. Martina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to talk about this topic. Uh, we talked earlier and I was just saying how I wanted to do this topic for a while. And as I started to think about it, you showed up and I said, this is the perfect person to uh, have on the show. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you, Martina, and then how you got to the point where this particular topic really began to uh, resonate with you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, my name is Martina. Also, my my business name and what I'm known on the social media is I go by the unclutter nutter uh, simply because I just got nuts about decluttering and uncluttering life. Um, and that's in the sense of the physical things, but as well the mental side and the emotional side. So everything. And it started really, if I think back to sort of my childhood, I always loved organizing and tidying. I was one of those people, yeah, where, you know, kids are meant to be messy. I loved having things in boxes and buying boxes to put the box in and just really enjoyed organizing. And then I went backpacking. I spent a lot of time in my 20s backpacking. And it was that simplicity of having to fit everything that you needed in life into a tiny backpack that you carried on your back. And that was the real challenge, you know, boiling it down to what are the key things I need. And then life went on. And as life goes on, we accumulate more things. And then I had kids, I had twins. And then once that happened, as you may guess, you know, my whole life sort of got thrown upside down in a great way, obviously, for, you know, being a mom, but also in terms of the clutter and in terms of all the stuff that comes along with being a parent. Suddenly I sort of looked around and felt completely overwhelmed and completely sort of out of my depth with how I was used to having my life go where I was in control of what came in and out of it and suddenly I felt like I didn't have control and I yeah just started to delve into that whole world of decluttering in a real intentional way instead of just because it was a hobby and then that spiraled into becoming a holistic decluttering coach because I just really saw the value and understood how clutter in all of its sense can really affect your life so yeah, yeah. That is cool. It's the short version. <laughs> well, no, that's really, I can see that having twins, you know, and your life turning upside down and, <laughs> you know, buying stuff for the kids. You know, George Carlin, who was a famous comedian years back, I don't know how familiar you are with comedy, but he was one of the greats from, especially back in like the 70s and 80s. But uh, I've listened to some of his recordings and he has this 
routine where he talks about a house is just a place for your stuff. And what happens is you need to buy a bigger house because you buy more stuff. And then you need to buy another house because you have too much stuff. And it's all about collecting stuff. There's the old saying, he who has the most toys when they die wins, which really, I don't think that that's true. But I can see, again, having twins, you have to have two of everything, right? (laughs) (laughs) And the stuff can really begin to pile up. And then when you begin to feel overwhelmed, and especially someone like you who loved organizing, I mean, it must have been a real challenge in the beginning, but then sometimes those challenges, they feel like they've gotten away from us. And I think that's kind of the way I look at it in, in my life. And in a lot of people that I know is they start out with the best intentions of having everything organized and things just get away from them. So I think most people who want to unclutter, and again, since you're the unclutter nutter, which (laughs) makes me want to go out and make a sandwich with that peanut butter fluffer nutter on it, (laughs) you, I'm sure, deal with a lot of people who are going through that. Does that seem to be the majority of the people that you run into are just people who started out with those good intentions and things just ended up, you know, getting way too much out of control. They were, they realized they were in above their head. Yeah, you get um, you get all sorts. So you you definitely get people who think, oh yeah, I'm going to delve into it. I'm going to you know sort this out, and then as you said, they just realize they've bitten off more than they can chew, and they mm-hmm. they just realize they can't do it. Or um, there's that whole emotional and mental side to it as well. They they want to free themselves of the clutter, but they don't know how because there is an emotional side and attachment as well, and you know memories and thoughts. And so it sort of gets intertwined where they they identify themselves with their stuff. Their stuff is them and they are their stuff. And if you took the stuff away, then they feel like they've lost a part of them. So it's really working through, mm. you know, the, the difference between you as a person and you as a collector, per se. Yeah. I can really identify with that attachment, too, because my children have gotten older now and I like to have all those things like my my children some of the toys that they had or the books that they used to read i had a really difficult time cleaning out my son's chest of drawers where where he had a lot of his old clothes and i'm going well i just didn't feel comfortable throwing that out i actually got anxiety over getting rid of that and i'm sure you gotta come across this a lot in in the world and i've heard and you hear stories about oh how much more relieving it is to finally be uncluttered and to live in that nice clean space with less stuff and how more energy people have but it's getting past those attachments yeah absolutely and you just mentioned it there it's um with the idea of anxiety people just think oh the idea of decluttering means just getting rid of stuff in your house so that your house looks pretty and it looks organized. But that is just scraping the surface. It's it's everything that goes behind it. It's the fact that it causes, you know, it causes people to not be able to sleep properly, to lose sleep. The anxiety, you know, the stress, the overwhelm, you lose the or some people lose the ability to make decisions and think because their mind is so overwhelmed with their physical space and then everything sort of gets all muddled into one and they try and declutter and throw things out and think oh well there we go my house is a bit cleaner I've sorted it but they'll find because they haven't dealt with all the internal you know Mm. the emotions and the internal thoughts and everything that things will just steadily go back to the way they were because there are sort of situations and things left with undealt you know undealt with so the physical and the internal, the external and internal are so heavily linked that it it's a much bigger 
project. No, it doesn't necessarily have to be hard or serious, but it's a bigger picture than people often think. Okay. Yeah, definitely a bigger picture. <laughs> I, I like how you brought up about it causing to lose sleep. And I was just reading a study, in, interestingly enough, over the last few days. It's almost like this podcast interview was coming up and I happened to come across this and it talked about how people that have messy desks are actually a lot less productive. They actually, you actually can get more done in less time if you have that neat organized desk. And over the years in all of the careers that I've been involved in, you know, I've always been the one with the messy desk. And I always say that it's an organized mess. I know exactly where everything is, but really, is there really <laughs> such a thing as an organized mess? I think that's just the excuse that I use. So I read these studies that say, again, like you just talked about, better sleep, being able to get more things done. So there's so many health benefits. What are some of the other health benefits that you've dealt with? Well, ooh, yeah, there are loads. I mean, definitely one of the biggest ones that people often want is whether the, obviously the more physical space so that they have more space to just not even move, but just to breathe. You know, you feel that energy when things are all around you, you feel your energy is being sort of enclosed on and you haven't got that space more time because even though it's stuff, as you said, you know, with your desk, when there's a lot of things around you, uh, you spend time looking for things. You spend time, you know, trying to organize stuff, uh, remembering where they are you spend time thinking you're organizing by making little piles everywhere and then tomorrow you need that thing and you think well which pile did I put that in and in, it, in which room um, you know in which drawer and closet because you've just put it away because it looks tidy so there isn't there isn't an intention behind it there's no system if you will um you have less stress and anxiety you sleep better. It can improve your relationships because you're not carrying all that emotional sort of baggage inside. So it sort of seeps into all areas, even your sex life, believe it or not. So it's, you know, it can it can really incorporate all of life. Okay, I think uh, everyone started paying attention now when you <laughs> said that. <laughs> <laughs> right so, when you're stressed and overwhelmed it affects lots of things yeah. friendships relationships you know the way you are with your children so your parenting habits your eating habits when you're stressed you're gonna go you know find some junk food to really make you feel better so I'm not saying that if you have a messy house that you're now going to go do all these things but there is a link between them all yes. and they you're having an, an issue in one area of life it could very well be caused by some other thing that you didn't realize was causing it now, you mentioned that there are some systems that you can put in place that will help you to not just declutter, but to keep things decluttered, to keep things organized, because I also find that that happens. And I know I find it with myself and I found it with a lot of other people. They clean their house and they get just like you said earlier, everything is all set up. And then if they don't change the habits, all of a sudden, six months or even less than that, a couple months, it's back to the way it was before. Yeah. And so th and that, this is why I got into it. Uh, while I think the physical decluttering is obviously a huge, a huge layer of it, that's the top surface. So when I when I work with my clients, we start with the emotional layers and we take out the emotions that are stuck in there and release that. Then we move to the mental layers and with your thoughts, your personal beliefs. And, you know, it's incredible. Those thoughts that we have sometimes that we don't even realize subconsciously and their thoughts that sort of keep us small, keep us stuck. And all those things happening on the inside affect 
how we sort of present our world on the outside. And so then when it once you've done sort of the internal decluttering, the sort of big part, then when you go to do the physical decluttering, it's so much easier because you've worked through those emotional detachments. You work through the thoughts and the beliefs about your stuff and how they are a part of you, but you've worked through the fact that you realize actually it's separate. Your life can be just as grand and great without all the shiny objects around you. And so, yeah, when you get to decluttering, you know, there isn't a one system fits all. The biggest thing is definitely thinking of your purpose. When you are trying to get rid of things, why are you trying to get rid of things? Is it so you can have a clean house? Is it so we can look minimalist and tidy? Is it to minimize distraction? Is it for you to feel organized? Is it because you actually don't want those things in your life anymore and you realize they're actually, you know, they're they're causing me more, not harm, but more stress or issue or sucking up my energy mm-hmm. and I don't really need them. So it's getting to the reason of what it is you want them, what your decluttering is all about. And then using that along with your sort of personality style and your organizational style to figure out the best way because each person I can come and declutter your home, but if it's not made the way that works for you, guess what? Next week, things are going to be all over the place again because it wasn't designed for you. Because it wasn't designed for you. Yeah, you have to set that up. I like how you kind of focused on the why somebody wants to do it, because I always believe that if you focus on the why, then the how will begin to show up naturally, if that makes sense. And when I work with any of my clients in finding their purpose, finding what they want to do, what those changes that they want to make in life. We always dig deeply into their why. Why do you want to do that? And a lot of times we have to go deeper than their first level answer. So they'll give you an answer. Well, I want my house to just look neater uh, when people come over. Well, why do you want your house to look neater? Well, because maybe if someone drops in and do people still do that? I don't know. Sometimes people just, <laughs> in the old days, I remember growing up, you know, people would just drop in and now usually they have to make appointments where they come over, but you know, just, well, it would just be easier when I, if I have company over or if someone calls and wants to come over, I don't want to feel all that stress. Well, then why do you want to feel that stress about that? And then you kind of go take it each a deeper level. Why Why do you want that? Why do you want that? And when you finally get down about seven levels deep, that's when you actually find out what the real motivation is. And if you can get to that, then that will give someone the motivation to make the changes that they need to make. And you also touched on the three parts of our brain, uh, the emotional, the mental, and the physical. And I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Paul McLean. He wrote a book called The Triune Brain, that we have three brains. We have the physical brain, which is actually, it's what governs our decisions. That's what they call, sometimes they call it the reptile brain, or there's another, yeah, it's, it's that oldest part of the brain. And that is the fight or flight. That's what makes really all the decisions. It's an internal part. Then there's your mental your thinking brain the cerebral cortex that's where everyone thinks that's the outer layer that's where everyone believes that they make their decisions what they're really doing is they're rationalizing all of the decisions that they made in the reptile brain to make it look like that there was some thought behind it and then in the middle of all that is that emotional brain and that's a lot of things where the emotions start so when we're dealing with the physical realm, it's ourself physically, our body, and then our environment. When we're dealing with the 
the uh, emotional brain, it's our emotions and our relationships. And then dealing with the mental brain, it's our thinking and our purpose and our careers and things like that, uh, our ideas. It's really interesting how you focus on the emotions there, which really tie in. And when you start with the emotions behind why you want to do something, uh, I think that will help you to understand why you, your situation got to where it was to begin with. And if you don't change that, you know, just like you said, then you're going to go back to the way it was before. So what would be some of the early steps in uh, in working with somebody to determine what those factors are and what are the some of the common common denominators that you see? So if I sort of take it backwards, if we first look at someone's clutter issue, just looking at someone's house, whatever, you, we can't just look at someone's house and look at the state of it and already know, oh, you know, based on what their physical world looked like, I know what's happening on below the surface. Because some people have a really sort of cluttered world physically in a really messy house. Um, because on the inside, they're trying to keep everything organized and everything sorted, you know, like, like they've got it all together. And they're working so hard internally that they are forgetting about the external world. They're too busy to figure out, like, worry about what's actually happening in their space, because they're too busy in their minds and in their sort of in their energy and their emotions where you could also see somebody's got an absolutely tidy house everything's organized and you think oh yeah you know they they're really organized but on the inside they are completely you know they might be in complete turmoil but that's their coping mechanism if i just have my house look nice and neat and organized everyone will think that i'm really you know calm and i've got everything put together and i know exactly what i'm doing where it could be the opposite so you can never quite tell until you go down into the deeper layers and sort of talk about um yeah, well, uncover their emotions. Yeah. And it's not in a way that we go digging and I go digging and ask, you know, tell me about, you know, your life. They don't actually have to tell me any events. It's not, it's a, like a content free type of uh, therapy and sort of experience. It's just about going through your emotions and acknowledging the emotions. So acknowledging what emotions are there and you personally thinking, okay, well, these are the emotions that I can feel if I picture myself going through it on a daily basis. And I do so uh, certain techniques, but if someone were to do it on their own, they could go through their emotions, think about what emotions are there and ask themselves when, wh when did this emotion start? If I'm feeling, let's say I'm, you know, I've got some anger at the moment, I can try and go back in my life and think, right, well, when did I start feeling angry? When did I first realize that, you know, I, I felt angry once in a while, it might've been a year ago. It might've been 10 years ago. And you think, oh, I remember at that wedding when so-and-so said this. And from then on, you know, you had so this sense of anger or something that you never worked through. And then acknowledging where that came from, you can start to release that. You can start to let that go. And so that's no longer there. And you and as we work through all the emotions, it sounds really strange, but as you let go of those emotions that you are holding on to that you may not even be aware of, you start to be able to, in the physical world, be able to release the things really easily because you've kept an, all this energy on the inside. And then suddenly when you've released that, you suddenly realize, oh, well, I don't feel that anymore. And you look around, you think, right, I don't need this. I don't want that. I don't need this because you start wow. to clear out the physical world as the internal world gets released. Yeah. And it's, it's quite fascinating to watch. Some people got to be yeah. shorter steps. Some people do it, you know, really quickly, but it, it all depends on what's happening below the surface. So you really have to dig that emotional below the surface to figure out 
or to motivate people to start to doing those things in the physical world? Because you would think that uh, it would be a process where you would work maybe side by side. For example, if you were in a basement, I'm just going to pick on myself because, you know, I know how <laughs> I am. So if I were to go downstairs in my basement and say, you know what, I mean, this space, I really need to clean out. And I do know that I do need to clean out my basement because it's gotten to the point where, I mean, I just don't have any room to store stuff in there. My garage. That's what too. basements are for, it's though. Same way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's what usually treadmills are for, hanging clothes on, right? <laughs> Nobody ever walks. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. They're a piece of furniture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So down in that basement, you know, so what's down there? Well, I have boxes of all kinds of things from old clothes, things that the kids used to wear. I have a huge record collection. If you're familiar with those things that are, they're yeah, coming yeah, back they're now. Coming back. Those, yeah. Yes, records. I have all they're these. They're high old, demand now. Keep I'm hold a, of them. A huge Beatles fan. I am just uh, so I have like all you know. I have crates full of old records, and those are things where that's something. Even if I were to declutter, I can't see myself getting rid of some of that stuff because those are things that I, I want to keep. But I know that there are things down there that I probably should get rid of, but I get down there and and then of course you go down there and you see there's so much stuff and it just becomes overwhelming. Where do I start? And I'm sure you've dealt with that. So if you could, for those listening, if someone else, and I got to believe that there are people struggling with some of the things that I'm struggling with in the same area, is where do you start when you walk down into a basement full of boxes like that? I mean, is it as simple as one box at a time? You just lock the door and never go in the room again. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, well, there definitely are some tips. If you are, for one, if you are doing it on your own, it's definitely always useful to have somebody do it with you. Now, it depends if you are going through, particularly if you're going through emotional things, there's a connection, especially when you touch it. There's, again, uh, that that energy. So when you're touching something, you're suddenly thinking, oh, I remember my, when my son used to wear this. Or I remember, you know, at the, the ball game we went to when we got this, whatever it may be. So when you're holding that item, you then have that emotional connection. If you have somebody else and they hold items up and you are not physically touching them, you get a different sense. You might, it doesn't mean you're suddenly going to look at that and be like, oh, it's not important at all, but you don't have that closeness. So the energy will change and someone can hold things up and it'll be a lot easier for you to then sort of make a more, a more rational decision, if you will. So mm -hmm. that's not emotionally based. And you could say, right, you know, this is that memory, but is it serving me any purpose? Right. Even if you've got a memory attached, it's been sitting in a box for 10 years has it been doing anything for my life? And you can start to think that way, where if you're holding it, it becomes more difficult to part with it because now it's back in your hands and it's back as a part of you. And you think, oh, no, no, I'll keep it for a little bit longer. Yeah. So definitely having somebody else help you, having somebody else move things, hold things um, and help you decide creates a bit of that distance, which makes it easier to go through those sort of sentimental items. The other things is always start small. If you're going to go into your basement, you look at your basement and see this entire room filled with stuff. And if you look at it as an entirety, you'd think oh, that is overwhelming. I'm never going to get through this, you know, and you probably just end up putting another box there and going upstairs and thinking I'll do it next weekend. So giving yourself small little goals where it might be right today, I'm just going to do these two boxes, or I might just do the clothes, the items that I know, you know, are all about the clothes or the paperwork. However, whatever the items are that are in your basement. And so if you break it down into smaller chunks and also decide 
what it is that you're looking for. Are you looking to get rid of most of the things? Are you looking to decide which things are important to you? Are you looking to decide whether there's things that you even want to give away and sell? So mm-hmm. always deciding sort of where you are thinking. Yeah. Sometimes some people look at things and think, well, I'm either going to keep it or it's going to go in the bin. Where there are loads of options, you can give them yeah. to charities, you can pass them on to friends, you can give them to, you know, you can sell them if it's sellable. So then that might make you feel better. If mm. I can give it away to charity, it's not going to waste. That memory will then live on with somebody else who will need it and it will make them feel a little bit better about sort of parting with that object. Yeah. So it sounds like you would subscribe to some of the tips that I've read in organizational uh, or getting organized where you basically have like three piles or four piles, right? It's the keep pile, the things that you're going to keep, the things that you're going to toss. And then in the middle, there's the sell slash donate or a little bit of both. And sometimes some of those things, okay, some people would be motivated by saying, all right, I want to get all this stuff together and I'm going to have a one of these garage sales or a yard sale or something like that where they're going to sell it or I'll go and sell it online. That that's great if that motivates someone to want to do that. Uh, for me, I don't have the patience to deal with a lot of that stuff. So I would just <laughs> say, all right, you know what? It's still good. I know I know someone else can can wear this clothes, or I know these toys they're still in good enough shape, or something like that. So I will would think of more of a donate pile. But again, it's like that the three pile or three or four pile uh, method is does that usually make sense for you and for your clients yeah and again it depends so you brought up a really good fact if if someone is really you know some people are just a little bit sort of overwhelmed a little bit stressed out and they just want to have a bit of a clean or some people have really deep rooted you know anxiety and stress related to their physical clutter so for for those type of clients um those type of people you want to make it as easy as possible so you can decide I'm going to have a, yep, this I'm going to keep, but for everything that you're going to keep, you've got to have a real reason why, why am I keeping this? Is it because it's, there's a memory attached and I'm just going to put it in a box again for another 10 years? You know, what's the purpose? What is it actually going to do for me in my life? How am I going to use it? So you have that pile of, yes, I'm going to keep it, but you've got a reason why. And no, I'm not. And you don't have to worry about whether you're going to donate it, sell it, give it away, you just put it in this other pile. And then once you've sorted that out and you've got the things that you know you want to keep, then if you are ready to, then you can decide with that other pile, what am I going to do with the things that I've decided are not going to be a part of my life? If you can, if you've got the energy to go through it, then great. From there on, that becomes sort of project B. But if not, and now It depends, you know, some listeners, especially, you know, with the state that the world is in and we don't want to be wasting. But when it comes to your mental health, if you've had this stuff that has been causing you stress and anxiety and overwhelm for years, then my opinion is that your your health and your well-being is at the core sort of importance here. So if you have that and your option is either to get stressed, overwhelmed and abandon your project because you can't deal with it or to just take that stuff and bring it to the dump, even though there might be things in there that could still be reused. I say the the well-being of your health is at the core. And if you deciding that if I have to look through this pile and sort that pile out even more, is going to cause me more stress and more pressure, and it's just going to make me feel like I'm back at square one, then it's not worth it. Then get rid of that, bring that box to the dump or, you know, wherever you do bring it, depending on where you live and consider it sorted or, 
that could be something where, you know, a trusted friend or a family member might help you. They might go through and say, well, I'll, you know, I can decide what things we might be able to sell or give away to charity and I'll take the rest to the dump. So yeah. you can definitely help get people to help you because it's, it can be quite a tricky thing for, for many people. Yeah, I can see that. Now let's talk about time and how much time is involved because mm. I would suspect that some people would want to take, well, I'm going to just spend a whole weekend and take care of this. Or some people might want to do a little bit at one day at a time, maybe spend an hour a day. Some people may want to take a whole week and just take a week off from work and say, all right, I'm going to take the week of March 30th and I'm going to clean my house. What do you find has the most success and has the uh, most lasting effect when you start to do this? Is it, or is it just on a case by case basis? What I found it, it is on a case by case basis because it also one big thing is depending on what they do as a living if somebody works from home they're going to have more opportunities to spend more time you know they might have a few hours a day that they can go and, and do their decluttering with where other people if they've got to take time off work or they have very limited holidays they're not they're probably not going to want to take a week off work a week of their holidays and spend it on decluttering their things for them they would see that as losing out because that's my vacation time that's when I can really de-stress and you know let my hair down and relax but it's definitely about seeing an outcome. So when you decide how you're going to do it, you want to take on a project, however small it is, but where you're going to get a benefit from it. So if I'm struggling with my clutter and I decide, right, you know, I'm going to sort out my sock drawer today and I'm going to sort out, you know, all the, the missing pairs of socks. But if I'm never stressed about my sock pile and my sock drawer, having that done is probably not going to give me that feeling of, oh, I've achieved something. Now I want to go and sort something else that I want to go and declutter. It, I'm going to finish that and think, mm, there's, there's no impact on my life. Mm. So it doesn't motivate you. I would say, or I tell my clients to start with something that's actually causing you an issue in life. And then when you start to work through that, you will see the benefit and you will see, even if it's just a small benefit of, oh, I feel a little bit better it becomes addictive. And it's like a therapy. You start to see that as you let go and sort out of the things in your life, you are actually sorting out lots of things under the surface, the internal things. Again, it's your your mind and your emotions, your energy all tied together with one. I really like that, uh, <laughs> focusing on something that's really causing you an issue because you brought up something like the sock drawer, which most people, when are they in there? They're just in the morning or for me, the night before when I'm taking out my clothes, I uh, pop in, pop out. But just the fact that that's organized, it's going to take me a lot of time and energy to do that. And what's really the benefit? I know a lot of people are good at making their houses look like they're neat and tidy, but everything is all crammed somewhere or in a box somewhere in the corner or like wherever. A secret closet somewhere. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the, the the proverbial junk drawer that everyone has in their house, right? <laughs> well, you probably don't, right? But uh, we have this. In the UK, we don't have enough storage space. That's the difficulty here. We don't have enough yes. chance to be hoarders. There isn't enough places to stuff things. <laughs> stuff so you don't have yeah. you, you don't have these opportunities. But but starting with something like that, that's not really causing you a lot of issues you know, it's better to start. And I like that. Start with something that you're going to see every day and that you're going to notice. You know, I would think like for me, for example, uh, start with my desk because I sit at my desk every day and that's something I'm going to see. So if I were to actually sit down and organize that, 
And I realized, oh, wow, I'm, I'm really I'm feeling better. I'm actually getting more work done. I'm actually less stressed at work. Now maybe I'll go and I'll do the closet because it's hard to get some of those, some of that clothes out when they're jammed between other clothes. And I realized, you know, that those sweaters, uh, we call them Neil sweaters. If you're familiar with the movie, The Santa Claus. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Neil, he had those horrible sweaters. Yes. Those Neil sweaters that are in there that, you know, you'll, you'll never wear again, you know, get rid of them. If you start with the spaces that you're interacting with every day and that are causing you the issue, that really makes a lot of sense. I think that's your mic drop moment for the podcast today. <laughs> Starting with the things that really, that are causing you the most trouble and, then you'll be rewarded. And when you're rewarded, that positive reinforcement will make you want, well, now I'm going to tackle this. And then eventually you'll get to that sock drawer, but it's building kind of, I don't want to say an addiction to, to uh, cleaning or an addiction to decluttering, but at least a more where you're more motivated to want to do that decluttering. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, you brought up a really good point because there was there was a difference between feeling motivated to want to declutter and then being addicted to it. Because if you're motivated, it's because it's giving you a really good feeling and you want to do more of it. Um, you know, you got a benefit and you now think, right, if, if I felt this good from cleaning my desk, how good am I going to feel when I tidy up my wardrobe where I get stressed out every morning when I have to pick up my outfit and there's all this stuff that I know half of it hasn't been touched in years. But if you do find yourself addicted to decluttering and I found myself there as well like you know every few days you'd look around and think right you know what can I throw away from this room what can I put away <laughs> then that is a good clue that there is something internally that you're not working through that's there right. and it's a coping mechanism so decluttering can be a, and same with keeping clutter they're all coping mechanisms for something that's happening internally again you know emotional thing um, a thought, something that happened in life. And then that's the way that we we deal with it. We either yeah. buy more things to fill that void and make ourselves, you know, sort of the short, the quick gains, or we keep decluttering on the outside because that keeps me thinking, oh, I'm doing something, I'm decluttering my life, but actually I'm a bit cluttered on the inside, but I don't want to deal with that. So I'm going to do uh, the easy bit that I can. Yeah. <laughs> you have to deal with those inner parts as well as the outer parts the parts that people yeah that's the whole basis of what I do it's like I I'm not I will never help somebody just tidy their house because I think well there are loads of decluttering coaches and I'm not saying it's not important that is but I will help you by starting on the inside that we need yes. to clear out what's happening on the inside and then you will see that then decluttering to doing the outside work is so much easier because they are that all linked yeah they're yeah. all everything's linked there mm -hmm. so I see there's like here's the spectrum on one side of it, you have the TV show Hoarders, right? You know, everyone is yeah. familiar with that. You know, and some of those places, you know, where it's you just can't even walk. The house is so cluttered up with, with things. Yeah. And on the other side, you have this new thing that I've found is like the minimalist movement. These people that want to get rid of everything, you know, they if they don't use it, they're they're getting rid of it. If they haven't used this in six months, they'll get rid of it. So there's kind of two edges of the spectrum when it comes to keeping things and not keeping things and whatever. So I think most people are somewhere in the middle. Where I'm getting at here is just maybe if you could, for the listeners, some practical tips. I like to do things in three to five when I'm telling people how to set goals for the day. I always recommend this little thing called a three by five card. I don't like using you know the apps and all these things. I like write it down the night before on a three by five card. What are three to five things that you need to get done the next day and put them in an order 
and then pick the most important one and start with the most important, even if it's the hardest. And you got to do that first. And that is how it's the best really way to organize your day and to get things done. But now when we're talking about this whole decluttering your life, so are there three to five tips that you could leave with us before we end the podcast today? Because I'm sure you and I could probably sit and talk for about another hour on all this stuff and dig into the psychology behind it. Because as many of the listeners know, oh, there goes Tony again on a squirrel moment and down some psychological path. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, yeah, no, I love that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could probably do that. But uh, to keep this up to a listenable time, maybe three to five things that someone can do starting with X, Y, and Z or one, two, three or whatever. And we'll go in that direction. Yeah. I think the first sort of tip that I haven't even mentioned, I'm surprised I hadn't mentioned it, is to remind people that there is such a difference between organizing and decluttering. That if they want to organize their home or their life, to not bother, uh, sorry, if they want to declutter their home and their life, to not bother with organizing it, that the decluttering process always comes first. So they want to be thinking about what do they not want in their life? What do they want to get rid of? What do they not need? What's not serving them or adding enough benefit versus now, how am I going to organize things in my home or my world? Don't even touch the organizing side of it until you've done all the decluttering. Because it's like organizing all the food in your fridge when you know half of it's out of date. You're wasting your time. You are wasting your energy. And it's only going to it's only going to frustrate you more when eventually you're looking for that jar and it's behind a row of jars of all the moldy, outdated food. And you think, well, why didn't I just throw that out in the first place? So it's making sure that they are concentrating on decluttering and not organizing that the decluttering comes first. The other thing to be aware of, we touched on knowing the why. So being clear about why do they want to declutter? Do they want to declutter because it's, you know, causing them stress and overwhelm? Are they do they want to declutter because they're trying to impress people who come to their home because they're worried about being judged, you know, by having a messy house or their house isn't as tidy as Sandra who lives next door who's got an immaculate home. So just thinking about their why. After that, and I'm actually doing a uh, I'm doing a little workshop with some of my clients on this is about finding your values. And it may seem strange, well, what do my values in life have to do with my clutter? But if you get really clear on your values, like what is it that's super important to you in your life? You know, it might be authenticity or freedom, or it might be, uh, well, you know, whatever you think is important in life, kindness. When you know your values, and I get people to choose no more than five, once you are clear on your values and the things that you know you are not willing to compromise on, you can use that and apply it to your life and think, what are the things in my home that actually don't allow me to have those values that negate them or don't follow along with what matters most to me? And then it starts to become really easy to see the things that are actually helping you in life, getting you what you want or making you feel the way you want to feel. And the things that are actually doing the opposite, hmm. making you feel more frustrated or angry or you know cluttered or whatever it may be. So when you know what it is you stand for and what's important to you in life, you can really use that to look around and think, right, well, what are the physical things in my life that are not helping me get there? And then one by one, you can eliminate them to start getting yourself to feel more free, just to let go of the things that you don't actually need. 
Letting so go. those are three heavy <laughs> tips. Yes, very heavy. <laughs> Letting go of the things that you don't actually need, but you have to focus on your why. You have to focus on your values. And that's all mm. part of the decluttering process. It's not the organizing. It's the decluttering and having those focuses on those things, the why, the values, and uh, and to, you know, what do you really need in your life and what don't you need and that type of thing. And it's a very emotional and mental process, just like you said earlier. And I think that is, that's great. I think it, it really gets to the bottom line and it'll get you to the point where you're not just doing it and then having to redo it again in another you know, three to six months. You know, you don't want to clean and organize your whole house only to have it cluttered all up again because you didn't deal with the real issues in the first place. Uh, when it comes to values, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. He's one of my mentors. They call me the other Tony because you've got Tony Robbins who's he's <laughs> like he's like six foot seven and he he charges like a million dollars for a coaching session. You know, I'm like yeah. this little five five. <laughs> also, Tony <laughs> and my and my coaching sessions, they're not quite that expensive. So Tony Robbins wrote this book called Awaken the Giant Within. And in that book, he really digs into what your values are and how important it is to determine your values. So if you want to go on this journey and figure out values, you know, I would recommend pick up that book. It's not going to cost you that much. You can even borrow it from the library if you have to and read that, go through the exercises on values, and then maybe use those values in helping you with that decluttering process. Did I miss anything, Martina? No, the, uh, values, they really are the foundation for everything. Um, I just thought as well of just some easy tips as well to add, you know, I, you said three to five. I've given three heavy ones and I thought two easy ones for some that think, oh, wow, that feels quite heavy. How am I going to do this on my own? <laughs> is just starting small, but starting with something that is important and will have an impact on their life. So as we talked about, if a sock drawer is not a problem in your life, don't declutter your socks. Go and declutter something that is noticeable. And then the other one is not to start with a massive project, like for you to go into your basement and, you know, you get motivated and say, yes, I want this basement clean. But if you start and start unpacking every box, almost guaranteed, you know, halfway through that day, you're going to look at around you and think, oh, no, what have I done? I can't do this is too much. And then it's going to be sort of in a messier state than it was even before. You're going to shut that door to the basement and it's going to be that burden that's now even heavier because you tried to do it and you feel like you failed, oh, even yeah. though you haven't failed. So just to start off small and you can build yourself up. Some coaches that. will say, do a big thing like and put everything on your bed and then it forces you to have to tidy it by the end of the day because you can't go to bed until it's tidy. Depending on the personality type you are and you know how you're feeling, for some, that might be too much because you might end up sitting on your floor and crying at night because you can't go to sleep because your bed is full of the stuff because you didn't make it through. So really just starting yeah. off small and making sure that you allow yourself the time to finish that project before you jump into something else. Those love are a that. bit more doable. Yeah, yeah, I definitely love that. And celebrate your successes too. I think that's important. Yes, absolutely. No matter when how big or succeed. small. Well, again, Martina, this has been awesome today. And I, I really want to thank you for uh, sharing some of this information. If people out there were interested in reaching out to you, what would be the best way to do that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you can find me hanging out on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Those are the platforms um, I am on mostly. I haven't entered the TikTok world yet. <laughs> um, but on Instagram, I am Unclutter Nutter. And on Facebook, I am Martina J. 
So, and you'll also see underneath it says Uncluttered, but my name is Martina J. So you can find me on either of those, lots of content and just to follow along for any tips that you need on decluttering your life from the inside out. Excellent. I've really enjoyed this. Now I'm going to follow up with the question that I ask all of my guests. And I'm wondering if you're going to tie this into our topic or not. But the question that I always <laughs> ask is, what does being purposely positive mean to you? Purposely positive. Well, just the word on its own purpose. It's whatever you're doing is done with intention. Whether that's decluttering anything else, that what you do, that there's an intention behind it. Because when there's an intention behind it, you know, that you're doing something for a real reason, that there's a greater good behind it, rather than just sort of just flowing through life, not really knowing why you're doing things. So that idea of just feeling aligned and with positivity, something that's going to make people's lives better for having come across you or connected with you or meeting you so that it adds value to someone's life um, in an intentional way. Making people's lives better, feeling aligned. Yeah, that's definitely what this podcast is all about. I mean, I want to make an impact on the world and you're out there making an impact on the world and one person at a time. And that's how that works and doing things with intention and knowing the real reason, looking out for the greater good. What a great answer. Martina, this has just been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast, and I'd love to have you back sometime in the future. Oh, thank you so much, Tony, for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the purposely positive podcast brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. And you may be out there wondering, how can I declutter my life? Well, maybe I need to find my why. And a great resource I have for you on my website is an ebook called Strive to Thrive. Download it, read it, and start in the direction of a purposely positive life.